Welcome to the Supremely Intercontinental Puckcast, a podcast about fake little hockey guys. I'm your host, Ian Constable, GM of the Banff Rockies. We have a big show for you today, everybody. With us today is the free agent bot himself, also known as Jeff Prozeller, who's GM of the Havana Revolution. He's going to talk about free agency, and later we have an interview with Hammer Gladiators GM Henry Ski, who also happens to be our power rankings guru. Let's get it started with Jeff Prozeller, our free agent bot. They are throwing robots. It's disrespecting us. Shut up, you face. Shut up your face. What's the matter, you? You ain't so big. Me and him are going to whack you in the lobanza. Bad grammar overload. Error. Error. What the hell? (gasps) Lingo. Dead. All right. I'd now like to welcome to the podcast Jeff Prozeller, GM of the Havana Revolution, also our free agent bot and our SICHL costulator. Welcome to the show, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing great, Ian. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome what you got going on here and happy to happy to be here. All right. Well, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking all about uh, free agency, and uh, I'd love to have you on the show again as GM of the Revolution, but uh, today we're really just going to focus uh, mainly on uh, free agency. And so I'm going to start us off by asking you, uh, how long has the free agent bot been around? Well, the free agent bot was, um, it preceded me. It was, it was kind of something that that I inherited when I took over free agency from, from Mark. Um, and, and he was already kind of sending out the emails as, as free agent bot. Um, and, and when I took it over, I kind of thought to myself, well, gee, like, you know, maybe we can have some fun with this a little bit, but, uh, but it, it, yeah, it's been around long before me. Okay. Okay. So, uh, before that, then before you, or, was the free agent bot always so salty to humans uh, or has that been more of a recent thing? Yeah, well, that, that, that's kind of part that I, that I kind of added in um, and that was unbeknownst to Mark or Mike or anybody else in, uh, in the league that I just, I, one day I was sitting there and I'm kind of like, you know what? I took some inspiration from, from Futurama and from Bender and, and if you're a gamer uh, from Knights of the Old Republic and uh, HK47, if you remember him, um, just kind of took some inspiration from the two of them and decided, you know what, this, what would be more awesome than like an evil robot, you know, leading our, our free agency and, and just kind of making it miserable for, for GMs trying to sign players because it's, it's a tough experience. So I just thought, let's, let's do this. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, you know, it, it goes along with the evil sim too, right? So it's a, it's a perfect fit. And uh, I have to say, I look forward to, uh, to hearing what uh, the bot has to say after, after each round. Um, uh, moving on to the, uh, the costulator. Are you the SICHL costulator on Twitter? <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, it might be the worst kept secret in the league or one of the last <laughs> remaining ones at this point. But yes, the 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 SICHL costulator on on Twitter is is me and they are related to the to the free agent bot. Um the costulator actually started before or just as I was taking over free agency, but before I really kind of put that that, you know, evil robot piece into the free agent bot. And, uh, you know, at some point it would probably make sense that the two of them link, maybe, you know, free agent bot hacks into the costulator and takes it over. I, I don't know. But at, at some point it, it kind of makes sense that the two of them would, would, would you know, team up and, and go together. Well, speaking of evil, and uh, I just thought of, I just thought of this right now, then if we're going, we might as well go with the trifecta here. Are you also the grinder? Oh man, that's, that's, uh, I can't, I can't disclose that. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I, you know, it, it, whoever the grinder is, be it me or somebody else, um, they are, they are a, a, a creative, a creative person and, and evil is exactly the right word, <laughs> but, but that's a whole different level of evil. So, so good, good, good on the grinder, man. I love that yeah. guy. Well, I, I mean, I love it. We have uh, we have all these things working working against us, and uh, we're battling away to do our best in the SICHL. But um, I sure love the personalities of all of them. Um, so, so, really, really quick, Ian, just yeah. to just on that note, it's funny that the grinder is around, and and I didn't know actually the history of the grinder, but it was kind of finding that out through through some some back threads of of the old SICHL grinder, as I understood it, but. I I had this idea years ago of like a Statler and Waldorf, you know, off of like the Muppets, kind of making making fun of all the GMs trades and signings and you know lines and injuries and and you know so I, I kind of had that idea a bunch of years ago, but I never did anything with it. So okay, there you go. That, that I, how uh, how perfect would it be if we had the the free agent bot and the grinder get together to do something like that? That would be. That would be pretty good. Oh, man. Scary. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> okay. So this year in free agency, uh, after all was said and done, this really was a crazy year in free agency compared. Uh, was it that crazy compared to others? I seem to remember 2017 uh, people spending like a lot and people going uh, like minds being blown about what was spent that year. Personally, that'd be my first year in the league. Um, do you find this year to be, to be any crazier than others? Yeah, so every year, I mean, on a, on a personal GM level, I'm always, you know, a little bit like, whoa, what is going on? What is going to happen this year? Like, who's going to just blow the doors off? And, and But um, when it comes to, like, actual numbers, um, 2017 still actually holds the record. And uh, I don't think I put out the actual totals on uh, – on Costulator at the end of this um, free agent period, I, I was a little busy with other life stuff with and life. didn't get to it. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, 2017 still holds the actual record for total spending. Um, but 2020 Group Five um, holds the individual group record at 387 million dollars spent in one group. Group Five. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Group That's... Five. 
was bonkers. Okay. I, I did not expect that with uh, like Tuca being in ra- round two and of course DJ Oshi in round one. So, uh, yeah. wow, that's that's incredible, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that kind of moves me into a part B to that question. Uh, have you noticed a trend by groupings or by the rounds of the draft? Um, so, you know, for, for those number hawks out there, um, you know, I, I don't want to give away all your secrets. because I'm sure there's other people out there that are doing their homework. But, you know, at the, at the same same token, like what, what fun would this podcast be if I didn't give away a couple secrets? Uh, <laughs> Uh, of, of free agency in, in the sense of, you know, stuff you could do at home, but some of you may be too lazy to. So, so, <laughs> so yeah, there, there, there is kind of a, a trending. Um, and, and the weirdest one that, that I've noticed is the trending by group. So um, year in, year out, I mean, that's groups to sign people for whatever reason seem to be groups three and four. And I don't know why that is, but just historically, when you average out the numbers, groups three and four seem to be like the groups to sign people. Don't know why, no idea, but but that kind of seems to be it. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, on any given year, there seems to be a trend on on like what position is most in need so Mm -hmm. this year obviously goaltending was like the thing if you looked around the league there was like seven or eight teams who had like no starter and i mean like nobody over like 65 68 it was very clear and and their rosters were all you know 70s guys that you're going okay this is a competitive team this is a cup team possibly but they definitely need a goaltender Mm -hmm. and uh so you knew going into this year, like if you needed a goalie, man, good luck because you better pull out your big dollars. And um, you know, there's other years where you look at it and you go, okay, there's um, there's forwards seem to be it, or there's a lot of high priced or high uh, high rated forwards. So you, if you if you're looking through, you know, you're kind of looking at your team and looking at what's out there in the free agent market and going, man, I hope I don't need a a defenseman on a year where there's very few good level defensemen out there, you know? Right. So smart GMs are working ahead and looking at, you know, who's coming up in free agency and who they have on their team and trying to make the numbers work, but it's a dangerous game. Absolutely. Well, here's a, well, just a note for everybody out there. There's going to be probably seven UFAs coming off my team this year. That will be up again. I only have many one-year deals on this team. So there'll be a couple next year. So just just be patient. Um, what? Did, who did you find to be the like the best pickups uh, of this year's free agency? Did you have any, any ones that were really special or? Um. I mean, I guess you could look at this from a couple different angles. If I look at it from like a value perspective, uh, there were a couple deals that I was, you know, I would I would say in any other year I wouldn't be shocked at, but given this particular year and how much money was spent, I was kind of like, well, you know, that's reasonable, I guess, mm-hmm. if you look at it from the what what everyone else is getting. And I mean, the couple that stuck stuck out was. Um, I think Craig Anderson went in uh, one of the early rounds, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, and I think he went to the Buckaroos on like a pretty decent deal. And I was like, oh, he's 68 rated. Like that's not a bad deal for a for a backup goalie. You know, he could he could do things. And then uh, Travis Zajac went, I think, on a four million dollar deal to the Schooners, um, which might have been might have been their best value signing of the whole FA. And uh, and then Matt Zuccarello went to the Express on a three year deal, yeah, for, I think like four point nine million, uh, yeah, under five million, crazy. I re- I remember seeing that going. Wasn't he rated like seventy eight, like last season or the season before, like? He has big potential to, you know, if he can recreate some of those numbers, Mark is going to be laughing at the rest of us with, with, you know, like a mid-70s forward at $4.8 million. Man, I saw that and was like, crap, I should have put a bid on this guy. <laughs> anyway. but and that's those, always it, right? It's, oh, I should have put a bid on that guy, but, I mean, who knows who that guy is going to be. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Craig Anderson, $2.5 million. Uh, yeah, like not that's bad. A good, for, that's for a good backup. rate for a nice backup. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, and then I mean, when you look at it from like a needs point of view, um, you know, I, 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 I think you know the the Rockies did a good job <laughs> in the sense <laughs> of identifying their needs and and going after those guys. I mean, if you look at what you did in Group Four, you got Andy Green and and Char to back up the D. Um, with not bad deals considering the prices everybody else was getting, um, you know, and uh, the fire ants, man, they, they always are able to find kind of sneaky deals and, and put their roster together. And we've already seen that through the first couple of weeks. So yeah. Surprise, surprise with the fire ants, right? <laughs> yeah. Somebody always. trade Norm, someone <laughs> trade him and take his players away. Um, so were there any that uh, that surprised you this year the most? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I did not expect Edler to get to get forty one million dollars from the crunch. Uh, I mean, I guess based on his ratings alone, uh, he's seventy seven overall. Just based on that, I should have probably expected that that would happen. But uh, I just I just didn't see it, and and he was coming off my team, so I'm I'm definitely gonna miss him. But uh, not not for forty one million dollars, <laughs> that made that a lot more bearable. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, the the goalies went high. I figured they would go high. I wondered if we'd get to the fifty million dollar mark, and and naturally Eric had to break it by a dollar or whatever. <laughs> one. So you know that was that was. Uh, uh, Just in case, right? Well, that was it. I th- I think my my pre um, free agency guess was was fifty million bucks, and so I'm I'm happy that I was right somehow. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, my yeah my prediction on Rask was forty, but um, yeah, I, it it really didn't surprise me that it went up to fifty. Like it, um, you, weren't, I, you weren't accounting I I way way yeah. over a bit at the start on Oshi, but. Um, and then, and I think that might have started, maybe started a bit of a role there for guys going like way high this year. Um, but yeah, I, I I way overestimated what was out there for uh, for the forwards. I saw the forwards, and I mean Oshi was the top guy. He was only a seventy-five, but he was 
he was the top guy on there that I saw, and I'm like, okay, well, I've got to get him. And then uh, the way the with the reactions I had heard from people, I was like, okay, maybe I went a bit over the top on that one. <laughs> but that's well, okay. you know what. You know what's funny is 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 that's the thing, right? You never know. You right. actually don't know. And and is, I do, and I do, and I will never disclose. I will no, bring this to not. my grave. But but I I but you never know how much you might have just squeaked by him, right? Like unless right. you know for sure what all other twenty seven or twenty eight GMs did. Sometimes like these these winning margins, and people say, "Whoa, you're crazy," and I'm like, "Well, you know, not really." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. I, d- I didn't want to get into a bidding war, which we saw with Rask, right? I mean, Rask, right. he started at, what, 36 in the first round uh, yeah. or something like that, and then went up to 50. And I, that's that's what I didn't want to happen. Although I don't think, I, I, again, I, I think I went way too far. But um, that's what I, that's exactly what I was trying to try to avoid in that. I My guy that I thought was, for, my, for myself, for the deal of it, was uh, Nick Bonino uh, in the last round. And, and I was really... Sorry to to miss out on him, but um, yeah. I'd already spent too much myself. I couldn't. I just couldn't. Even though he was one of my targeted guys, I had yeah. already over gone over the top. So <laughs> uh, I had to let him go. But uh, whoever got Nick Benino, I think I think it was Brandon. Yeah, it was the Yeah, he he definitely um, Doug needed a needed to flush out the roster a little. So. So yeah. he he kind of went a little hard in the last couple of rounds to make sure he got some guys, but uh, but you're right, and that's the thing. I mean, I think we're going to talk about it a little later, but uh, that's the thing with with the way the rounds work out and uh, and where guys land. Sometimes your targets are in the last couple of rounds, and you're kind of sitting there going, "Geez, what do I do?" Right? Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, good on Doug because I think that was I think that was the player of this draft personally, other than yeah. other than Rask, but uh, you know. Yeah. He has some, Benino has some incredible ratings out there. Um, yeah. yeah, okay, so in, in previous years, are there any bids that, that uh, stick out to you or or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I was I was going back through a couple of years and, uh, you know, there, there's a couple guys that I think, it's funny, I was talking about this with a couple GMs kind of way after free agency and we're discussing kind of what happened and, how this year kind of played out and how nuts it was. And everyone was kind of like, you know, geez, look at the money being spent. And, and I was looking back at future years and I, I, the ones that stick out are like the, the kind of the younger guys that were just kind of coming up through the league and, uh, and were FAs because they were undrafted or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and the ones that stick out are like, you know, your Tyler Bozak. And I think it was the, the Huskies that signed them. I don't remember the year, but I think it was like four point six million dollars, and everybody at the time was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> John is completely nuts! Like, what is happening? This league is broken, um, you know." And it was just like, like the whole wagon was on fire, and, and I, I, you know, I was one of those GMs because I was still building at the time, and I'm like, "Man, I put like two point two million dollars and thought I had that locked in the bag." And now I look at that and just laugh, just mm-hmm. just by laughing. And was it Panarin that was the other yeah. one that, that the Spartans got? And kind of the same thing. And I, what was it like, twelve million bucks? And we're, you know, doing the math and going, oh my gosh, like Sean signed this like forty million dollar forward who's twenty two or twenty three or uh, 
whatever it was. And I was like, this is nuts. He's never going to get his value out of this. And again, now we're looking at it and going, shit, he would, sorry. <laughs> he, no, it's okay. he, he would hit like like 35 to 40 million bucks now just in the oh, first absolutely. in the first contract let alone over the first you know five years six years so mm-hmm. yeah i mean those ones kind of really stick with you um and and you know quickly i i look back at one of my own and i remember um going after uh brent burns and signing him and and trying to lock him into place so that i could fp him for a bunch of years and i think i ended up paying him i don't have it right in front of me but i think it was like 15 or 16 million bucks it was like 12 after signing bonus and uh and same thing i was like man i'm crazy like what am i doing (laughs) and and again now i'm looking at like 50 and 40 million dollar one-year deals and i'm like whoa you know what everything looks so good now. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that was my thinking with Oshi was, was, uh, okay, I'm paying him 27. No, I'm paying him 27 this year, but anyways, hopefully yeah. he has a good year. And yeah. there's, there's my, uh, FP for the next two years. And really then it only averages out to about 10 million a year kind of thing. Right. So over right. three years, but, uh, we'll so, see, he has to have a good year to, for that yeah. to happen. Here's the scary thought, Ian, is, is, is I thought about this too, is, okay, so now here it is, we're 2020, and I'm looking back at like 2015, 2016 free agencies and laughing about how low the numbers were, and I'm sitting here looking at 2020 going, okay, so in 2023, 24, <laughs> are we going to look back at 40 million bucks and say, eh, that wasn't so bad? But I hope, you know, I I hope think, not, I but think like... This- evens itself out a little bit right i think the money gets spent and then all of a sudden teams are back back not having that extra money to spend well we'll see what the salary floor does to that um yeah. you know because that that'll stop the uh <coughs> cough <coughs> team stockpiling money uh, <laughs> who would from, do that uh, yeah who, who would do that and then drop who it would, on one who would do something like that where, where a whole rule had to be brought in to uh, to stop that you know what? Don't 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 take too much credit. Uh, you were the first GM that's had a rule written in. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, my uh, my projected bank balance has dropped has dropped since before free agency by forty forty six million dollars. So uh, I won't be able to do this too many times. Um, hopefully, I don't have to. Hopefully, I have uh, some other players kind of develop it where I don't need to. Sign uh, six guys or something like that, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, have you? Uh, how many times per free agency period do you actually have to look at? It? Do you look at the bids and and just shake your head? Oh man, uh, the, you know what? Free agency is like is like you know how draft is is kind of christmas from 90 percent of the gms and and for the rest of them it's usually free agency or there's a couple that said trade deadline i think right um free agency from from a running perspective is like my favorite time of year mm-hmm. um on a on a league level on a gm level i'm i'm with the rest of you the draft is just like my favorite thing but on a league level, free agency is just like the best because these these emails are coming in right to the to the free agency email address. And, and I'm like, 
I'm at work, you know, maybe not so much this year because work was like completely crazy, but normally I'm at work, like just hitting F5, like, like game seven of the Continental Cup, right? I'm just, I'm rocking that key, just waiting for bids to come in because, because every time I open one up, I just sit there and my jaw hits the floor 90% of the time, like, whoa, what is happening, you know? I can imagine. So, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I, I I can picture that. I, I can imagine how like I would be so excited because I'm so excited to see what like who's got the leading bid so far or what teams are in for it. Do, am I by myself on this one bid? Like what's going on at, when it comes out for to going into round two? And then again, OK, right after round two, who got it? Did I actually get it with that? And I'm so super excited with that. I can't imagine seeing uh, like 28 other uh, other bids coming in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, how you don't want to see the sausage getting made most of the time. In this case, <laughs> you definitely do because it's, it's, you know, interesting. And as I said, you know, I'm sworn to secrecy and all of that good stuff. Yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting as you would all imagine it would be. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So going from how many times you're shaking your head at, uh, at what people have actually bid. Let's move into how many screw ups there are. How many how many times on average would you say uh, are people not sending the number of years when they should, or or not having enough money to actually pay for their bids, or no names at the top of the sheet? How many times per I guess let's say per uh, per round, uh, sorry, sir, per grouping, would you say are there screw ups from uh, uh, from GMs? Okay, so 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 uh, disclaimer, <laughs> I did not write, influence, or or coerce Ian into asking this question <laughs> at all. He actually nope. sent me this list. Absolutely. This one came from me. And, and it's quite funny because I read it and, and just chuckled to myself immediately upon reading it and going, like, how does he know what I have to go through? Um, you know what? I'm Jen, a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's how. That's how you know. <laughs> I mean, generally speaking, it's actually not bad. Um, oh. You know, the majority of it is, is pretty seamless. Um, you know, every year there's usually one or two GMs, you know, sometimes up to three or four, depending on how many new GMs we have, mm -hmm. where I kind of have to walk them through. And, you know, they either put their name beside their bid instead of at the <laughs> top, or, um, you know, they change you know, um, the order of the players or the number in, in one of the other areas, or they, they put their bid in instead of where the qualifying bid goes. And, and I'm just kind of going, what is happening? But most of the time it's, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, these, you know, everyone's just trying to have fun. And so I usually write them back and say, okay, here's, here's what your bid sheet should look like. And they're like, Oh, okay. Got it. You know, maybe I need your teaching skills because I'm not a natural teacher at all. So I have a high level of patience, but a crappy level of trying to explain something to somebody. So anyway, it's 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 not that bad. Okay, good. Uh, a follow up to that: Is it usually the same manager? You said it's you said it's often when we have new managers, but for those ones that aren't new managers, is it usually the same guys? Uh yeah, I don't know why. It's it, here. It is. It may not always be the same manager, but it always seems to be the same. Like 
one or two things that are that happen and that's okay. what, that's where i'm kind of like man like i just got to I just got to figure out a way to make this easier and more seamless. And, and then, then I, I kind of run that by Mark, Mark, Mike, okay, guys, like, this is what I'm thinking. And Mike's like, don't worry about it. We're going to automate free agency. And I'm like, okay, Mike, I love you. And you're the best. And, and, you know, please do it. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I kind of like this. So don't, don't don't work too hard on it. Like, you know, (laughs) you have kids, enjoy your time, you know, you're a dad, do all that stuff. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll pick away at it. So. Well, we, we all appreciate it big time. And like I said, it's an absolute blast. Uh, I I look forward to pre-agency in a huge way. Um, So moving from that, from managers screw ups, uh, how much abuse does a free agent bot take from disgruntled managers? All right. So, so disclaimer two, same thing. <laughs> um, but uh, you know what? Honestly, not, not really a lot. Um, I think the majority of the league really get that, you know, this is, this is a manual process and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it is what it is. And, and, and Excel, same thing is what it is. It's not perfect. And, and the FA bot loves to, you know, really kind of, you know, jab at everybody else and, and, and make fun of them and, and have fun with, with how horrible or ridiculous they're being with their signings. But, uh, but no, the FA bot really doesn't take a lot of, a lot of flack from, from managers. Uh, there's usually, you know, a good five to 10 screw ups a year. And, uh, usually it's just a quick email to say, Hey, uh, that guy was supposed to be mine or that guy was, you know, this was it was a one-way bid or a two-way bid and don't get me started on that thing but you know we won't go there but uh <laughs> but but otherwise yeah it's 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 actually not not too bad at all so okay good i'm glad to but hear that the fa bought uh, as much as it pulls out a lot of a lot of stuff it doesn't take a lot back somehow which kind of shocking some days <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm very very happy to hear that because uh, yeah. We know that the FA bot puts a ton of time and a ton of work into this, and it's very much appreciated by all of us. So thank you to thank you to the FA bot. Um, moving on from there, uh, we know the FA bot puts a lot of time into free agency, but uh, people don't usually think about the prep time beforehand and that kind of stuff. How long does it usually take to put the groups and the spreadsheets together? Um. You know, it, uh, it, it, as I said, it's, it's like really a fully manual process. So, you know, once kind of things get, get, get updated and the new ratings get in, um, you know, and Mark has, Mark and Mike have an ability to kind of, you know, roll through the site and make sure everything's kind of good. Then uh, they kind of give me the AOK, like, all right, let's, let's do this free agency thing. And uh, and from there, I kind of take over and and yeah, it really is a, a manual process, like cut and paste, um, you know, get get all the info into the Excel sheet and, you know, modify the columns, reset up everything. Um, it's, you know, I tried to put a bunch of formulas together and tried to make it as pretty as I could and separate people by, you know, ratings groups to make it easier for GMs to figure out who's going to get a signing bonus and who's not um, without having to run back to the, uh, to the um, rule book every five minutes. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it takes, it usually takes uh, a night per, a night per round. 
okay. um, to to kind of go through the the like you know a good a good couple hours um, to kind of manually tabulate it all and and run through uh, and and double check everything and make sure that that Excel picked it all up properly. So yeah, it's it's you know it's a process, but as I said, it has its benefits too in the sense that. I really, really enjoy, you know, how the sausage is made. I, I take a lot of <laughs> enjoyment out of that. So it's it's a as much as it's a laborious laborious process, I, I enjoy it too. So it's it's not terrible. Well the color coding is extremely helpful. So thank you very much for that. That that makes it uh, really easy to actually I look at it and say, okay, I know this guy uh, is gonna get like the a big yeah. big sign bonus if I if I leave him to one year or do whatever. So uh, it's much appreciated for the for the color coding, um, and for of course everything else. Um, is there any rhyme or reason behind the groupings, or or is, are the groupings random? So uh, groupings are random. I know there's probably a lot of GMs out there that really have been waiting for this question, hoping that this question would show up. <laughs> um, and you know, we maybe you'll tease it at the start to say, you know, here. <laughs> do you want to know if the groupings are random, or, or, or you know, there's some evil intent behind it? Um, groupings are random. Mm -hmm. They are. There's a, a basically a random number generator that assigns each player a one through five, and that's where they fall. Um, so. You know, there, there's a lot of thoughts on that. There's a lot of different discussion on, you know, should higher rated players go first? Should they go at the end? You know, because if you look at it from a from a comparison uh, to the other league that's out there, um, you know, most of the higher end free agents go first. So should we have something similar? Um I don't know. Discuss it in the comments below. But uh, but you know that that's kind of there. There is different varying viewpoints on that. And what would that look like? And how would you execute it? So uh, it's kind of that's that's stuff that I enjoy about this is that kind of thought process and uh, not only how are we running the league and and how is it working and you know how do we how do we kind of sustain it? There there's just so much. Um, you know, and this podcast is an example of it. It's just so much goes into how do we not only just, you know, do this year in, year out, but how do we make it better? It's always about how do we make it better? You know, whether it be, you know, color coding on the FA sheet or, you know, how do we, how do we institute, you know, different rules or different processes or more teams or, you know, new sites and, and more stats. And like, it's just so cool you know, to be part of that. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, I, it really is the greatest league in the world. Like I, I just I get blown away by it every day. And, uh, and free agency is a huge part of that. And so thank you very much for everything that you do. Um, it's, it's really appreciated from everybody in the league. Um, this has been fantastic, Jeff. I'm looking forward to having you on as specifically the GM of the Havana Revolution. Um, but I knew that I knew that uh, free agency was was so big that we needed to just have that chat about free agency by itself. And you know, having it just passed recently, uh, that's uh, I thought it was a good time for that. So uh, thanks so much for for coming on the podcast. 
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, I look forward to returning uh, to chat with you soon. From my absolutely cap on, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, and uh, yeah. So thank you again. That's uh, Jeff Prozeller, and hopefully I got that right there. And uh, GM of the Havana Revolution, but of course our free agent bot, and you heard it here, the SICHL costulator. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for the inside information on free agency, Jeff. Now, I'd like to welcome our Power Rankings guru, also known as the GM of the Hamburg Gladiators, Henry Ski. Today's subject, the Hamburglar. The Hamburglar is very clever and very sneaky. The Hamburglar! And he loves taking McDonald's hamburgers. So, what should you yell when you see it? That's right. Uh-oh. Hamburglar. It's a good time for the train. You've got a lot to learn. Don't take burgers, Rubble Rubble. Oh, Henry Ski, GM of the Hamburg Gladiators, also our Power Rankings guru. Welcome to the podcast, Henry. How are you? Thank you, Ian. It is an honor to be here, to be invited, to be wanted, to be welcomed, and to be interviewed by yourself. Easily the best addition to the SICHL since the induction of the power rankings, may I say. <laughs> oh, we, I, I tell you, everyone absolutely loves the power rankings. Of course, myself in, included. Uh, the new power rankings, of course, just came out as we're recording this, just came out last night. Uh, the... Uh, so the first one since the the preseason ranking, and I have to I have to say I was blown away. Uh, my top ranking ever on there. I was I was extremely happy. I'm waiting for the hundred and uh, what would be hundred and fourth episode where you redo the actual like all time rankings when you <laughs> and and see where I go and see if I'm still number twenty nine. But anyways, <laughs> you've already you've already upped your average significantly. I think most people thought it would be years before we saw the you know the Rockies solidly in the top five and you were number three you could have easily been number two uh <laughs> so it speaks good job in terms of turning your team around fantastic job and I gotta say I've I've rarely been this excited uh for the regular season I don't know if it's you know the world going on right now but really every day brings a smile to my face seeing crazy upsets and seeing how we were totally wrong and seeing some teams crash and burn that we didn't think we're going to. And it's just been really entertaining and awesome. And, it, you know, not many wins in the in the forecast for, uh, you know, for Hamburg this year. But I am, none, you know, nonetheless having a blast. So I'm glad that people are enjoying the rankings. Uh, Norm, again, I'm not trying to jinx you, but if you didn't want to be number one, <laughs> You shouldn't have been the best team. So, you know, we'll see what happens on day 28, though. There's always, always moving, movers and shakers. Norm skyrocketed up there. That's fantastic. All right. Well, let's get started with this interview. Uh, first, first, what I'd like to ask you is uh, where do you live? Um, how long you've lived there? And uh, where did you grow up? Sure. So I was born in uh, Dartmouth, uh, right by Halifax in Nova Scotia. We lived there when I was... About five, we moved out to the West Coast. My parents wanted better weather. As a kid, that's the dumbest reason ever. Uh, but in hindsight, a very good move. Uh, so I've lived in Victoria for pretty much my whole life, about 31 years, and then intermittently going back to the Maritimes for my university uh, life there. But uh, yep, still in Victoria. Uh, been here, yeah, 31 years. It's a beautiful city. Beautiful city. I've visited there many times. And, awesome. And I, I'm looking forward to visiting there again soon and maybe having a little uh, Victoria SACHL Summit then when I do. 
one one of my favorite things about our community is is how many times people will find themselves in visiting cities and then immediately the first thought is well do any gms live there we had a close <laughs> close call recently with uh with mike uh of the uh supersonics and michael and and i think gary and a couple of times people have been like oh we're going you know we're going to be on the island can we meet mm-hmm. up and unfortunately covid has ruined that potential meeting like it's ruined so many other things but you know we've we've had many little mini summits in vancouver and and toronto and uh yeah anytime you anytime you're anywhere near victoria please give us uh, give me a shout when we're back to normal i'd love to love to grab a beer fantastic all right so my next question uh came to us from one of our esteemed gms tell us about the night that you and matt mckinnis met Oh man, that's a legendary evening. There are certain seminal moments in your life that at the time you think nothing of it, but looking back on it, they were very influential. So Matt got me into the SACHL. If I didn't know Matt, I wouldn't be here. Power rankings wouldn't be here. Who knows? Maybe the podcast wouldn't be here. But I was in Bigelow House. We had initiation for Frosh. I didn't know anybody. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, we went to the frosh party off campus. Everyone drank too much, which again, for me though, Ian, it's it's like four drinks. Like I'm, <laughs> if you thought I'm a lightweight now, like imagine me at 18 when I'm about 50 pounds lighter. Uh, I was drunk, lost, couldn't really walk very well. Matt was one of the quote unquote responsible ones. He was a monitor, basically kind of being one of four students in charge of herding a bunch of drunk cats around town and making sure they got back okay. So Matt, Matt carried me home. Uh, and on the way, uh, there were some bikers, like a like a gang of motorcycle guys, just hanging out in the parking lot by uh, by one of the pharmacies there. And I, for some reason, started yelling at them. I don't know how aggressive I was, but they <laughs> basically started to walk towards us. Matt negotiated uh, safe passage and and saved my life. And uh, we've we've been we've been friends ever since. But that was one one great way to uh, to start a friendship. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, Matt, for uh, for saving Henry for the rest of us. Uh, we really appreciate it. All right. Being on the West coast, how did you become a fan of a team in Pittsburgh in that other Thanks. league? The, I, I think it's called the Nihal. <laughs> yeah. The, the Nile, uh, makes no sense. I've never even been to Pittsburgh. Uh, I do have friends there now though. So, and they keep saying, you know, when this is over, I should come visit. It's very simple. Uh, my dad was as British as they come and he didn't really have a hockey team. My mom was kind of in hockey, but not really, but we definitely didn't have like a team in our house growing up. So I just jumped on the bandwagon. And when I started watching hockey, uh, the penguins won back to back cup. So I just jumped on the bandwagon and never, never jumped off. And thankfully they've been a very entertaining team over the years. So I picked, I picked the right one. So basically the, the, the lesson is loyalty means nothing. Just pick a winner and stick with them. <laughs> Dead easy. Perfect. Well, not a bad theme to to cheer for. Absolutely. All right. So we come to your last name here, and I've I've heard it a number of different ways. I know. But how do you, how do you pronounce it? Is so it, it is, is it ski? It, it is ski. Yeah, just like okay. a sport. I I know I've heard ski and sky, and I don't I don't blame people at all. I wish it was just <laughs> SKI. We can't change it. I've already checked. Uh, something about hundreds of years or tradition or whatever, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's ski, and I'm not a good skier, which is one of the universe's great cruelties. And when I go, the instructors or whoever I'm talking to always think it's the greatest thing ever and they won't shut up about it and they tell everybody about it. And I just want to tell them, you're going to be very disappointed as soon as you (laughs) see me start going. I'm on the green hills and that's about it. Cross country skiing is more my more my speed. So uh, maybe that should be my nickname, cross country ski. (laughs) Well, I apologize for uh, for taking taking that in uh, in my email. Uh, My email is actually ski and Ian 
so that's okay. <laughs> I, I I kind of took the rights there. Apologies. No, that's uh, fine. I I, I I completely, you are admonished, completely forgiven. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Next question. Tell us why you're not the grinder. Tell us why you could be. And if you are not, who do you think it is? All right. Well, there's no chance. Uh, basically, I already put enough time in the power rankings. They take about three and a half to four hours a week. This week, I went about as quickly as possible because I really wanted to get them in on day 14. And I wanted to get them in before the podcast. And there were lots of things going on. So I, I burned through them as quickly as I think I've ever done. And I think it still took me an hour 45, maybe, maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. So I don't want to do all the extra work in doing the grinder and coming up with it. I barely created my own team Twitter account. I couldn't, I didn't even know how to make it for how technologically quote unquote savvy I am, which I guess is not that well. There's no, there's no way I would create a third one. Why I could be is that it would be the ultimate twist and nobody would expect it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's Jeff uh, Prozeller. Actually, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I'll just say, I'll just say Jeff of the revolution. Cause I'm sure he's already rolling his eyes and being like, we've been in the lead together. How many years? And you don't know how to pronounce my last name. Uh, my, my reasoning is that pretty he's well there. You know, well, oh, Prozeller okay. is right. I think well, then he's a, he's a pro ding dong is what he is. And he barely <laughs> hides it. So I think he's the grinder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, that is, uh, that I have, haven't heard, uh, haven't heard anyone uh, suggest that one, so that's uh, maybe who knows. That's a that's a good call. But yeah, the the uh, the power rankings, I bet they do take a lot of time. And uh, and thank you from all yeah, of us no, no, no. Um, because they're incredible. I'm going to be asking you more questions about that later on. But sure. let's get to that tweet you were mentioning the the that you barely got on Twitter. Why are your tweets written in the third person point of view? It's like a mini protest because I, I already had a Twitter. I didn't want to make another one. And I had to because everybody has one and it's awesome now. And now I understand how to switch accounts. But like because <laughs> of, I was confused on how to switch accounts on my phone, I thought I'd figure it out. But I, I thought I'd kind of roll with it and pretend it was like some old guy tweeting and figured he had to tell everybody who was tweeting this. And then I thought, eh, for for consistency's sake, I'll just I'll just do it forever uh, and just just kind of do it that as a as a gag. Which is kind of ironic because my, my entire job, well, most of my job at work, I work for an online gaming company. And a lot of our job is to help people with technology and problems <laughs> with the game and troubleshoot. And I feel like I'm a lot better helping other people than dealing with myself. Uh, I find I find it hilarious when, when you said that exactly because <laughs> there's a couple of us in this that are not savvy at all uh, no. technology-wise. There's a couple of us. We, we do not know what we're doing. Um, I won't name any names other than myself, uh, but, uh, and then there's a number of you, yourself included and Mike and, and so many more that are just amazing with technology. And, uh, I, I found that hilarious when you, when you said that about the, uh, uh it is really ironic <laughs> that you're yeah, doing that. So man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a good, it's a good mix of someone like Mike who can make honestly one of the best looking most functional sites I've ever seen. Like I get angry Incredible. at a lot of other sites where I see other people's fantasy sites or whatever. And like, I want to be impressed, but I'm like, I really can't. Mike has set the bar so high. So we get a mix of that. And you know, people that have a hard time downloading the <laughs> league file. Uh, it's good. It's a, it's a nice, a, a true community. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. So is it true you're getting married soon? 
yes. I'm okay. really excited. Unfortunately, COVID has kind of maybe put a dent in terms of the timing. So, yeah, I proposed uh, at the bottom of a crater in the Volcano National Park on the Big Island in Hawaii. Uh, yeah, I've never been more nervous in my life. I was so nervous. We've been together for eight or nine years at that time, and I don't know why I was nervous. I was pretty sure she was going to say yes. And I had this great speech in my head about what I was going to say. And I think I blurted out, like, I've got a ring here and then i and then i went down on both knees but they they, i cut them because the 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 crater floor is like jagged rock right so i i really screwed it up i think she said yes anyway we're gonna get married uh our initial date was june of 2021 but now we're june 19th but now you know with covid we want to make sure that we have the party we want so we might delay it we'll kind of we're keeping an eye on the vaccine news and things like that but uh yeah she's uh she's the best i'm really really excited and but she hasn't figured out how much cooler she is than me. But it's too late. She already said yes. So we are, uh, yeah, we're we're getting married. That is that is fantastic. And congratulations. However, Thanks, <laughs> will this in any way interfere with the summit in 22? Well, I'm I'm really hoping it's not because I've been <laughs> speaking with Mike closely to make sure that the the dates won't cross. Uh, if the you know the wedding does get moved to 2022, I'm pretty confident it'll be a couple months uh, from the summit. Obviously, the summit planning is is in flux right now, as everything is, so it's flexible. But I, I will say, I'm I'm you know I, I'm not going to be by myself if if you know the summit happens at the same time as my wedding. We're going to lose GMs McKenna, Schneider, and Hussein. They are all in my wedding party, so like they can't miss it either. And I <laughs> well, not missed the last summit, and I really wanted them there too. So we're gonna we're gonna do our best to make sure that they are that they are appropriately spaced apart. But well, obviously, the wedding perfect. takes priority. I can't yeah, miss that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I've heard uh, January weddings are absolutely beautiful. <laughs> well, it's good. I mean, I mean, you, the weather. You know, if it's cloudy, that's better for pictures and stuff. Right, right, right. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, those three GMs uh, will be in your wedding party. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've heard that there have been other weddings uh, of other um, uh, SICHL. GMs with other members in there as well. So other GMs as well. So that's really cool carrying on that tradition. Excellent. Uh, next question is PS5 or new Xbox? Oh, man. I mean, right now, unless you have a bot that that grabs it and sells it for a profit, you're going to have yeah. a hard time getting one. Uh, I'm really keen on the PS5 just because uh, Eric and Eric, uh, Eric, oh God, I can't believe I'm saying this wrong. Eric and I, there we go, uh, both have Game Pass, so you can kind of play most of the Xbox exclusives on your PC anyway. So okay. I'd love to get a PS5, but I typically don't buy consoles at launch just because they're a little expensive. They don't really have sort of killer, killer games you need to have right away. Um, but this year has been... Awesome. I think it's only fair that how shitty the year has been in general. It's been a pretty awesome year for video games. So lots, excuse me, lots to play uh, and some cool upcoming ones uh, for 2021. But yeah, so maybe, maybe we'll see. Maybe next year is when I'll grab a PS5. Okay. Any specific game that you're looking forward to most? Uh, it's it's kind of hard to tell. Like games get delayed all the time. Uh, this year was I was really looking forward to to some, and there've just been some amazing ones. Next year, you know, Baldur's Gate three will probably come out of early access so that'll be interesting to try uh we'll see what happens with diablo 4 i don't have a ton of faith in blizzard they're not the blizzard of old but i am still curious I, you know some some i'm a big jrpg guy so you got tales of arise and world ends with world ends with you neo uh we'll see if halo infinite comes out if that's that name is so so risky <laughs> whenever whenever you name something like duke nukem forever or infinite or whatever it's like eh, like you're it's a something 
tale of self prophecy or something like that, right. a self fulfilling prophecy. So maybe they won't come out ever. But uh, yeah, lots uh, lots to look forward to. Okay, uh, okay, you're a big video game guy. Does this inform your interest in the SICHL? It's kind of uh, well, not a video game. Yeah, it, it kind of is though. I love right. it because we're all we're all clearly really big hockey fans, but. If you looked on the forums, I think someone asked, it was a really good thread where someone asked how much hockey you've been watching recently. Mm. And the level of, uh, or the variance in terms of who watches what and how much was really, really interesting to me. I just assumed everybody watched a ton of that other league, but they yeah. don't. They watch, you know, some junior, they, some prefer international, some watch, you know, a game a week or two games a week. Others maybe just watch the playoffs. Uh, I know everyone's usually really keen on like the international play, like the Olympics or, or the, you know, the World Cup they had. Um, so that's really cool. So there's kind of half a brain where we're all obsessed with, you know, that other league in terms of like performance and things like that. But our league isn't isn't that. I mean, it's not at all. If you look at your team, for example, like you have uh, Essa Lindell, Zidane Chara, and Andy Green. No one would ever confuse them with like sort of a, t a top three defense to be absolutely feared. But it doesn't it doesn't matter. They're so good in our <laughs> in our game. And I, I love it so much. It is kind of a video game. It's one of the reasons right. why I, I like it so much is that looking at, you know, why is this team doing well? Why isn't that team doing well? Like we've seen plenty of teams that are really strong on paper and don't do well in the playoffs. So like scouring through, you know, tons of area, I think we're all at heart kind of stats nerds, right? Like we love mm -hmm. trying to take a peek behind the curtain and try and find that magic formula. Um, but that's what's so fun about it is you have, you know, constant input, output and results to look over and trying to figure it out and adjusting your lines. You know, you always see coaches, you know, or GMs tweeting now about like, oh, we're on a losing streak time to, you know, change the goalie <laughs> or whatever. And when it gets really, really interesting is the playoffs because the regular season, you can kind of go in five or 10 game chunks. But in the playoffs, you have no like you don't really have a lot of runway. So you'll see teams even after one loss, they'll be like, well, I'm. I'm clearly got to change the lineup, even though if they had kept the same lineup, they might win the next four. Um, people's reactions to it are are super cool and tactical and strategic. And that's all that's all a video game. That's all that's all it is. So I think that's one of the reasons why I was, um, you know, why I was so interested in it uh, when I joined. Mm hmm. That's an excellent answer. Um, what's the methodology for the power rankings? So we'll move, we'll move over to the power rankings a bit here. Sure. Uh, is yeah. there a formula? Um, can you share how it works? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish I could. Cause then I would, if I had a formula, that'd be great. I could just, you know, do them in 10 minutes. No, I try and do a combination of, it'll be like how they're doing recently. I will factor in how they've done on the year. So if like a really good team has been really good, but then they have like a stinky couple of weeks, they're not really going to drop all that much. The later on into the season you go, obviously early on, you know, we have a ton of variation you know, you are what your record is. I don't have to go back and look at your days, you know, 37 to 54. I can just be like, well, it's it's your record right now. That's that's all it is. Um, so, you know, we'll factor in that, but we'll also factor in things like, well, have they played? How have they done against good teams? Like, obviously, if you do well against good teams, I'm going to rate you up a little bit. Do you have any inj injuries? Is probably the the easiest one. You know, if I if teams are deadlocked and a lot of times they are a lot of times you know, teams like eight to 20. Sometimes they're all like only a couple games kind of, you know, a couple of games difference in there. And I have to look for a little minute details. So injuries, uh, have they made a trade? 
Um, you know, how are they doing against their own division? How's their special teams and all that? And then I try and like, like, it's supposed to be fun. I'm not trying to, you know, bash people. I feel bad for, you know, the teams that don't do too well. Cause like, look, no one wants to read the power rankings and get, you know, crapped on all the time. That's not what I'm here for. I have to be a little honest. Um, so in terms of like methodology, one of the things I want to be is encouraging and fun. And I try and put myself in the shoes of every GM and I know every GM they're most the thing they're most interested in, obviously, is their own team. So I want to make sure that I give them a good, you know, a good time, like a funny little quip or like a compliment. Or if they're not doing well, maybe I can isolate on a single player or a line or their goalie that's doing well. Um, the difficulty in that is that it takes, like I mentioned before, it takes, you know, one of the zany ones uh, I'll do. So I'll typically do like uh, a regular one and then a zany one and a regular one as, and try and alternate it. But the zany ones take a really, really long time because I have to come up with this, you know, silly narrative and have some kind of, you know, flow of a story in addition to, you know, throwing in stats about the team. And that'll take me about three and a half to four hours. So usually by the time I get to like team 18 or 19, I usually have to take a break. And like by then, if I'm like, you know, it's late and I'm tired or whatever, I feel kind of guilty because I'm like, well, some write ups are going to be like, you know, a throwaway sentence about how, you know, the creator of the power rankings is tired and grumpy or, you know, in the story, they get blown up or eaten by a crocodile or something stupid. And then I'll be like, uh, OK, that one, maybe that one isn't so good, but I haven't had any complaints yet so far. So that's kind of a combination of like, you know, how are they doing in the standings and injuries and schedule and special teams, et cetera. And combine that with, like, how can I make this fun and include them in the story? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I know everyone is super excited and and super anxious uh, waiting for the power rankings to come out. <laughs> and when they come out, they're just, they're, they're fantastic. You do such an Excellent. amazing job with them. Well, thanks, man. Um, and, and you're right. Like, you you really do, uh, like, I have to say, I was at the bottom there for, for three years. and sure. And I never came away feeling like... Uh, sad about oh well, that that's where I am and uh, yeah, where, yeah. where it was I you always did a great job of uh, of lifting me up or or just making it you know whimsical or whatever it was and it and uh, it's just fantastic and oh I'm glad I'm glad yeah, Ian thank so, you and then thank you and, and if I if anyone ever has any feedback or or anything like I love reading the comments even if it's a great job or whatever or if you have an idea like a theme uh, please 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 let me know um, we've done everything from like. Disney songs to, uh, you know, to, uh, I think, you know, the restaurant one, uh, if you have an yeah. idea, please, please, please send it my way. Cause I trust me, I need it. Any, any help is appreciated for sure. And, and a quick shout out to Jeff and, and Jeff, uh, Prozeller and Gary. Uh, I think my memory's fuzzy, fuzzy, but I think like five or six years ago, they volunteered to help me out and do one and, you know, and again, and Eric's done uh, a couple here and there. And that, that's really helpful too. And Mike, of course, has just been awesome. Anytime I have an issue, I panic and email him like six times in 10 minutes. And he's like, it's fine. I'll fix it. So really, uh, uh, really a team effort. Uh, so yeah, thanks. Uh, big thanks to them. All right. So I'm going to switch up questions. I had a, uh, I'm going to go to a question a little bit later on, but it, sure. it, it just fits in with this perfectly right now. How do you come up with the themes and stories for these power rankings? Man, it, I wish I, again, I wish I knew. Um, basically if I have any idea, uh, I will write it down immediately. Otherwise I will forget. Um, and when I do that, again, we need to make sure that it's I, I, I typically don't do like two zany ones in a row. I'll do like a regular one and then a and then a, a zany one. But in terms of the themes and stories, like they need to be really multifaceted and I need to come at it 
with a ton of angles because I have now, you know, it used to be, you know, 28 or 27 and now it's 29 entries. Soon we're going to get to 30. So I need, I need a, a, you know, something where like a lot of crazy things can happen. It can't Mm -hmm. just be like, like a a story about one person because I can't focus on a protagonist because then they're gone in two entries. You know, I can't still talk about the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the Reykjavik riders, on spot two, I can't keep talking about them in spot 11. Maybe I can, but it's, it's really tricky. So, you know, I'm thinking about the, like the British village one, which, which was awesome. Cause then you could have all sorts of, you know, colorful characters or whatever. <laughs> so as long as I can come up with like a bunch of ideas beforehand about like, you know, I think we had like a caper one, which is awesome, you know, cause then you can have like the planning and then the, the heist and the criminals involved and the police involved and the bystanders and, and the fallout and all that. So I, you know, I'll try and think of like, you know, movies or TV shows or, or something like that. And it has to be something I haven't done before which is now getting tricky i really wish i'd written all the themes down because <laughs> right now when i think of something the first thing i check is have i have i done yeah, that have before? i done this before <laughs> i don't want to do that again oh man and i know eric eric had a crazy one with uh with the award ceremony one last year which was awesome <laughs> i remember him saying he's like dude this is this is really tough i'm like hell yeah it is like first of all the power rankings is not really i mean let's be honest it's not really a the venue people choose for this kind of thing right like it's not it's, it's very rigid and, and structured and like based on data. So it's definitely a challenge to try and make that flow uh, as good as possible. But that's kind of the mentality behind it. Okay. That's so good. All right. So continuing with that, you are quite the personality on the power rankings, on the videos, extremely creative, uh, <laughs> natural host. Do you have any theater training? Yeah, man. I, uh, Chasm knows. I mean, Chasm and I have been, uh, actually, I think we've only been in maybe one play together. Um, but, uh, his brother, Aslam and I have been in a number of plays, uh, together, but yeah, I, I've been doing theater since, uh, basically since I think grade four, grade five. I love it. Okay. It's just great. Um, yeah, Chasm and I were in a production of house of Frankenstein in the seventh grade. I think I still have my script and he was the star. He was Baron. I think it's Baron von Frankenstein. And then I was Isabel Shanning, the, uh, the phantom of the opera's lover. So we went to an all boys school and some of the guys had to play girls. So I did that. Uh, and it was a blast, man. And that really kind of gave me the, the bug and I've been doing, I think about two plays for the last oh, quite a while, like 15 years, maybe 10 years. Uh, nice. Lately, it's kind of slowed down just because things, you know, got a little busy, obviously, with the pandemic. There's no theater going on. But um, we've had some really special times at uh, some of our local community theaters. My mother has directed me two or three times. Uh, the three of us. So my mom has directed uh, and then my dad's been involved. Sometimes we're on stage. We've never interacted on stage. Uh, we've always been like in a show together, but he's, you know, we did Midsummer Night Stream where dad was part of the players and I was part, you know, one of the lovers. So we never talked to each other. So hopefully we can uh, one day, but uh, yeah, it definitely kind of runs in the family and uh, yeah, no, it's just been a blast. I love it. Yeah. It's super cool. Uh, have you written any books or plays? Man, it's, I don't know how people do it. Like I know, I think Patton Oswald has this great bit about uh, the movie Deathbed. Uh, it's about the, a bed that eats people. Like it's like an, an evil demon possessed bed, and he's like, "How do how do how do people finish this stuff? Like how do they have the willpower to be like, no, I'm going to finish this. This is a good idea." So I I have some ideas, and I I do quite a bit of writing on the side. I have my blog uh, dollars.com where I go through uh, the top 500 games uh, that I've ever played or beat. And I really should have picked a smaller number because I've been at this for like four years and I've done 227 
and I'm going backwards. So I started at 500. Now I'm at 283. And it's it's a lot, man. It's hard to finish stuff. Wow. So I've had some you know ideas for books and scripts and things like that, but never finished them. You'd think the pandemic would give me the opportunity and a lot of time <laughs> to get shit done. Uh, but it turns out I've just played a lot of video games and watched a lot of TV and movies. So maybe that'll uh, give me some inspiration. <laughs> Do you write the stories for your video games? Uh, so with our company, our game is more like we have, we have two games, uh, two sides of the company. One side does like the idle clickers and one side does like old school, like mafia wars kinds of games. So there's not a ton of story in that. We were working on a game where there would be most story. And I did some concept writing for 10 or 12 characters. Nice. And that was really cool. Uh, learned a lot. Really good. Uh, really good experience. The game didn't launch, um, which happens a lot with uh, studios, so they never saw the light of day or anything like that. But you never know; it might come up again uh, in the future. And it was it was pretty cool to get an experience like that. It's not you get you get a real shock when you get a peek behind the curtain with any industry, right? Doesn't matter if it's teaching, banking, uh, finance, whatever. Like I'm sure you know you looking on the outside, you really don't understand how much stuff goes behind. Uh, in terms of making of the sausage, right? So when I'm writing all these characters, you know, I talk about like their backstory or whatever, and I'd have to consult with one of the artists. And the artist is like, well, we we can't have these two because like they already look like the descriptions are too similar. So you need to change that. And we want to make sure that we have like a variance of like where they're from in terms of countries. So you have to change. This guy can't be from, you know, the east side of New York because we already have one. From, so you need to make sure like, let's try and get one from Miami or something like that, which means you have to change the name and you have to change, you know, their back and all this stuff. So, so much goes into it um, yeah. that I really had no idea. And that's why I get I get a little tense when people get you know, a little hot when people say, like, all the writing in this video game is terrible. It's like, well, it's not the same medium as novels, which have been around for thousands of years, TV mm-hmm. and movies, which have barely been around for, you know, 100 years. And it's a different mind. You can't you can't write the same. You know, you have so much interactivity and so much of writing is pacing and like, the you know, the author controlling the narrative. And when you have a medium like video games where the user controls the narrative, it's really, really hard. And good writing is expensive and tough. And you already are kind of making a movie now with a lot of modern video games. Yeah. So I always try to give them a break. I'm like, look, man, it's writing. Good writing is hard. You know, video games are hard to make combination of both is really tough so my hat's off to them and i'm usually pretty patient when i come to comes to stuff like that yes yeah absolutely um how much are you missing live theater right now yeah quite a bit man it's uh it's been really cool i know some of our, you know my best dates have been with kyla and like you know sometimes we'll take my mom or her mom out to the shows and the best part about live theater is and chasm knows this and anyone else knows i'm sure mark of course knows this actually kyla and i saw mark uh our commissioner in a production of Ring of Fire, which is a really cool play about uh, Johnny Cash and his life. And we went up to the Shamanis Theater and Mark was oh, Mark was so good. It was such a great show. But the great thing about live theater is that it's an experience and it'll be gone and no one else or very, very few people will have had that same experience. Mm-hmm. There's also nothing worse than bad theater. Bad movie, book, TV show, video game, you can you can put down. You don't have to keep going. Live man, bad theater. Like most of the time, you gotta sit there, and you know these people have put in all this time, and they're right there with you. And usually, they can tell if a show's going badly. And man, some of it, you know, five minutes in, I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to find the exit. But a good show, man, a good show is absolutely magic. Uh, you know, Ring of Fire. Uh, I hope I'm getting the name right, but the show Mark was in. I think we saw Mark play five different instruments and he's got, you know, a voice like milk chocolate. Like it's just so cool. 
you know, to see that, uh, and then, you know, being, uh, you know, being a part of a play like Laramie project with 33 actors on, you know, a tiny, you know, tiny stage relatively, uh, it's a, it's pretty, pretty incredible experience for sure. So yeah, I would, uh, I do miss it. I don't miss paying, you know, 40 to 50 bucks for a bad show, but that's, you know, it's like life. You take the good with the bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we yeah we really do have just a number of superstars in this league and of course not just uh, not just playing but uh, but just in life we really do so that's really cool. Um, okay, this question came from one of our GMs and <laughs> I th- I think you're gonna be able to, you're gonna be able to imagine who it is when you hear it. But <laughs> I, had, I had to put it in there. Sure. Uh, how does it feel? When he puts out those power rankings and jinxes people, he hangs that that first place mantle on them, and they <laughs> sink to the bottom of the ocean just like it's an anchor. <laughs> okay, well, I I want to clear this up. There's no jinx. It's not my fault. And I guess if you're number one, there's only one place to go, which is down, right? So right. I mean, again, if you didn't want to be first place, you shouldn't have been <laughs> so good. So there is no jinx at all. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, I have had I, probably actually the most uh, contentious opinions have been, you know, putting someone in the number one spot and then immediately they get three injuries and they go, Oh, and five. So maybe it's like the Madden curse with, you know, athletes being on the cover of, of the, yeah. you know, Matt, the video game series. And then yeah. next year they have a career ending injury or whatever. Uh, Hey man, like I said, we got a lot of egos. We got a lot of really competitive teams and inches a mile and people, you know, see that number one spot and they think, you know, it should be an honor, but most people take it as like a jinx or a target on their back. And who am I to disagree with the masses? It's the only place. It's the only place I've ever seen where people get upset. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. Saying, well it's done. True. You, you did a fantastic job. You're I, amazing. How dare I always, you? I, know, I always think I'm doing them a favor and they're like, oh, no, I can't believe you did that. You know, I got yeah, a tough exactly. schedule coming up. You couldn't have put me three or something like that. It's really funny. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Okay. Let's move. Let's move to your team, the Hamburg Gladiators. Uh, you have many high-end prospects who are who are coming into their own. Do you have a timeline with your rebuild? Many people were asking about your timeline. Sure. Well, whoever wrote this is extremely kind. Uh, I have like two good prospects, uh, and the rest I have I have a lot of dice rolls. My roster now is at a hundred people, and half is in the SICHL rated, and half isn't. Uh, I am loving doing this, by the way. I've never done a proper rebuild. I kind of look at my SICHL career as kind of three phases. And the first phase was when I entered to when I did the power rankings. And that was about maybe eight years, uh, something like that, eight or nine years, where I didn't really know like what to make of it. Like I enjoyed being a part of it, but like it wasn't the same. Like we didn't have a stronger community. Uh, the website was nowhere near as good as it is now, thanks to all the improvements Mike's done. Um, you know, the, the sim was a little rougher. You know, we didn't have as much, uh, like, input and things like that. So I was just kind of casually into it. I wasn't really sure. You know, I did not have any idea about drafting, how important that was, you know, the process there. And, you know, once in a while, sometimes I'd make the playoffs, sometimes I wouldn't. You know, I was I was in one year, out the next year. But typically a, a bottom team, and I didn't really pay too much attention to the draft. And then in my second phase is definitely when things started to pick up. And when I got let go from my job... I was almost uh, about 10 months without without work. And that gives you a lot of time. And I'm like, well, hey, now, you know, I can do the power rankings. I in the first year I did them, I did them once a week, which was a lot. But again, I had a lot of free time. And that's when I started doing better. And when you start when you start looking outside your own team, it really helps because you're you're looking at it sort of holistically Mm -hmm. and you're looking 
to add to the community. You're, you're not just focused on yourself. You're interested in what other people are doing. And maybe you look at other strategies and you look at like line combinations and you start to learn and see like, well, the good teams have this drafting strategy or the good teams seem to make these kinds of transactions. And I think I learned a lot, you know, especially from veterans like, uh, like Guy and, and Mark and Norm in terms of uh, sort of their overall strategy and stuff like that. It also helped that one year the league went real wacky and basically anyone who had the best goalie won every time. So that's how I made it to the finals one year. Uh, and then I started to do a little better. And then, you know, uh, my window closed, uh, you know, in 2017, I decided, you know, I'm going to do a full proper rebuild. I've never done that. Even in, when I first started, I've never done that. So I think when I started, I think my timeline was about five years, I'd say. So I think I'm probably two years Two years away from making the playoffs, I think. It depends on a lot of the, you know, I have a lot, I have some okay guys, but I have a lot of guys that were like, well, they could make the the dance, you know? And, and in our league, you don't really need every draft pick and every player to be a superstar. Like sometimes all you need is like, man, if I can get someone I drafted in the, you know, the fourth or fifth round uh, to even be a third or fourth liner, that's really useful. You know, you get them for a long time. They're usually pretty cheap. And we've seen in our league that depth, depth really matters. So I think I've got a lot of guys like that. Very few sort of like outright superstars, but also you look at a lot of, a lot of good teams, they don't have like a ton of superstars, right? But they do have depth. So right. if you look at it that way, I think I'm probably another couple years from making the playoffs. Or I could be like you and somehow just turn it around in one season. Let me know how you did that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bit lucky on some of your rates oh, myself. Yeah. And, ah, you and then, and then I... I spent uh, I spent two bucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great, man. So, yeah, I would I would say the plan for that is two years. But I mean, you know, obviously, with you know the pandemic and stuff, who knows, right? So I, I hope we have you know a season going forward. Uh, so yeah, I'll say I'll say two years from now, if I make the playoffs, I'll be really happy. Excellent, excellent. All right, do you, do you plan on icing the youngest team in the SICHL this year? <laughs> that appears that way. Anyone over the age of twenty five should just be looking over their shoulder. At all times, uh, you know, I've already traded away Justin Williams. Uh, just let the GMs out there know I've got Carl Hagelin and Michael Frolik, uh, who would be very good depth additions to any playoff Absolutely. team. Good defensive yeah. ratings, good experience and leadership, and they will come cheap. I won't ask much for them. So keep that in mind. So the answer is yes, the Gladiators are babies and will remain so f- as long as I am at the helm. Okay, perfect. Let me just cut this section out so nobody nope. else can hear that, and I'll. Uh, and we'll oh, keep dare you! I said I <laughs> All right. By the way, Henry, uh, I, I was looking at a couple of your players. Uh, okay. Uh, how excited were you to see everyone's reaction after you took Adam Wilcox <laughs> with the first pick in the waiver draft? And I've never, I've never <laughs> seen anyone so so rustled up about about a waiver draft. Usually I, I don't think anyone has any interest in the waiver draft at all. This year was really interesting. We had, you know, the salary cap floor. Uh, Eric was making deals left and right. So I was, I was just happy. I got a second round pick. A lot of people said I probably could have got more, but like I was, I was available. I was, and I didn't really get a lot of great offers. Uh, and Eric got to me first. So I was, I was pretty happy about that. I've got four mm-hmm. in the second round upcoming. Uh, but the answer is, yeah, everybody's reaction was pretty funny. We did check. <laughs> We did check with uh, the commissioner and Mike before we did the trade if it was if it was you know okay by the rules and they said it was if they said it wasn't we wouldn't have done absolutely and uh, yeah second round hey going into anybody going into a waiver draft and coming away with a second round pick has got to be extremely happy so I, so uh, I need yeah absolutely help I can get. so yeah yeah for sure <laughs> uh, so you made the Continental Cup final twice in three seasons one of those scenes being the asterisk season mm-hmm. uh that's 2013 
Do the two seasons feel different to you? Or said in another way, is 2013 any less special than 2015? Yeah, I would say so. 2013, yeah, the really, really strange year. Uh, lots of, you know, if you ever look at like uh, team records, whenever you look at like single season point records or anything like that, it's always that year just because everybody scored. You know, there was so much variance in terms of like teams. There's no parity at all. I think Mark lost three games all year. He started the year, I think, <laughs> on like a 40 game win streak or something just ludicrous. Like it just, but it was really, it was a really weird year. Cause that, like I said, that was a year I didn't work for about 10 months. I got laid off from my job. I'd been with uh, online marketing uh, company for about six years. Didn't really know what to do. You know, not, not the best time in my life. So uh, yeah, it was fun, you know, making the season, but I think, I think doing the rankings kind of helped keep me ground, kept your, kept me grounded. Mm. Uh, 2015 was a lot more fun. I, like in my you know life, I'd moved in with Kyla, a lot more established. I was up against Guy. And I actually had a chance, uh, went to game seven and that was, that was pretty exciting. That was, that was great. You know, I, I employed again and everything's kind of been a lot more steady since then. So <laughs> I think 2015, looking back on it, definitely felt, you know, I was closer to winning, you know, one game away. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing. And everybody knows this who have been in the playoffs. Like you are, you are refreshing the homepage <laughs> all the time. And the later you get in the playoff run, the more stressful it is. And I remember Eric being like, Man, Mark's not going to sim it because he's having technical problems. I got to wait a whole nother day to find out the results of game three. I've been there, man. It is stressful. And then, of course, if you lose, you know, the agony, you know, of just waiting another 24 hours oh. before you figure out if you're going to win again. And you're going to probably get that chance. And your team's off to a good start. Hopefully you get in the dance. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 a thrill, man. So, yeah, I'll say 2015 was uh, was uh, a lot better, a lot more, uh, a lot more fun. OK. All right. So what draft picks? Are you most proud of? This is a mean question. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love drafting. Uh, I, I reach, I will say I reach way too much. Usually my justification is like, well, I've got a bunch of picks so I can, you know, I can afford to be risky. It's like, well, I drafted a seventh rounder in the second round. Uh, not, not usually working out so great. Um, I, you know, some are really obvious, but I, I think some of my later picks I really like, like uh, Pierre Engvall at 182 has turned out to be a, you know, serviceable, you know, third or fourth line player in the, in the other league. So I think that one's pretty cool. Uh, same Sam Lafferty. I got him at 152 and Jerry Swayman at 130 looks to be uh, like a, a pretty good uh, young goalie. So I think if you ask most GMs, like the first round, you really have to hit. And most of the time you do like first, first round, especially top five, top 10. It's pretty, it's pretty likely you're going to get uh, not just an NHL player, but, or a nickel player or whatever, but like, uh, like a pretty good player. But like, if you can, if you can hit pay dirt in like the second, third, fourth rounds where you get like a solid contributor, everyone's like, man, that's the draft pick I'm really happy about. Yeah. You know who I'm loving from your, from your picks right now is Scott Perunovich. Um, yeah, so actually that's true. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, this was 2018, but at 49, I think that's just an awesome pick there. And, and, you know, some of those first rounders, like myself for you as well is, uh, uh, of course, Charlie McAvoy, uh, at 16, like 16 is, is, is not guaranteed that a guy's going to play a game in the NHL. And, uh, Charlie McAvoy is a fantastic defenseman. And then, and then in 2017 as well, Martin Nikash as well. So, so, uh, at 18, so, 
You're looking really good. You're look, looking really good going forward. Uh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate ones. it. I get that's really nice, Ian. Thank you. I, I get a lot of interest on McAvoy. Uh, Negus was was funny because that was at the that was at the summit. Yes. And that was I, I think he went 12 in the NHL, and then like as soon as he dropped, Eric rushed over to me and he's like, "Just take Nika. Don't even think about mm. this." Which was great. Thanks, so I man, whenever we have the draft <laughs> again in 2022 live, I hope everyone's there, man, because we have a full room of everyone drafting. Man, we're gonna be there for hours. And we're gonna have oh a blast it is so much fun i mean <laughs> i was i was brand new to the league i had just you completed picked a better the, year um, to join yeah i had just completed the uh dispersal draft <laughs> yeah. uh came into that and wow what what a welcome to the league that was that was absolutely incredible and i picked number 20 in that one i picked uh, i think 12 and 20 and uh, I was seeing Nikash there, and I was like, "Oh, please, oh please, oh please!" And, <laughs> and I had, yeah, Nikash and and uh, I hope I said his name right, but him and Valamaki are still sitting there at at eighteen, and I'm like, both those guys, I'm like, "Oh, come on!" So there goes Nikash at eighteen, and Valamaki at nineteen, and yeah. Oh, you Thanks. you see, that's that night <laughs> early. So yeah, you came you came in the league at the right time, but you also learned early that like you better have a couple of choices ready because like yeah. the person you want is going to get picked. You can't. Oh, yeah. I mean, we all use a lot of the same resources. We've got a lot of crafty GMs. If you're praying that someone drops, you know, a few spots to you, you better have a backup. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so moving on to your favorite player that you've ever had in your system. Is there one particular player? That is... I'd say Daniel Sedin, man. Like it was so okay. cool. I had both Sedins for a long time. You know, they're both Vancouver players, and just being a fan of them in real life. You know, I love watching the Canucks. That was really, really cool having him on my team for a long time. Uh, I traded Henrik. I shouldn't have, but I, I think at that time I had a hard time keeping both, or I was being bad, or, or you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> if you look at like my all-time leader in points and everything, it's always uh, Daniel Sedin. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, old man Solani and, and old man Mike Smith. Um, you know, were pretty, pretty important for my cup runs. And then at one point I had Mike Smith, Craig Smith, Brendan Smith, and another Smith in the system. So I, I nicknamed one of my team nicknames was the super Smith brothers. Uh, so that was really fun too. Yeah. Your, your, uh, franchise leaders are just filled with Sedins here. Like yeah, big points time, and man. goals, <laughs> assists, shorthanded goals. There's Henrik in with, with, with the, the shorthanded goals too. So they're just both in there all over the place. So big that time, is man. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Is there a player that you've always wanted, but have never been able to acquire? Not, not really. Like as much as I am a fan of the Penguins in the other league, I'm, I try not to be a one player type person in our league, just because to me, depth always reigns. Right. Um, and I, although it's hard, right. Cause in my situation where like my, my prospect cupboard was pretty bare for me, it was very much quantity over quality. Like I need to, I need to get some bodies, you know, going and, and, you know, make sure I, I hedge my bets and try and get a lot of, a lot of different players in the system just to make sure I, you know, I, I start getting a good prospect funnel. Um, but there was never really like a single player just cause one, like it's, it's hard to trade in our league just cause everyone is, is pretty smart. And on top of things, not that you would ever look to like fleece someone on purpose, but most people have a really, really good idea about how the league works and yeah. what it takes to win and things like that. So I, you know, if I really wanted uh, a good young player, it's probably going to cost you, right? Like it's going to be like, well, I'm going to probably give up a first and I'm probably going to give up this and give up that. And mm -hmm. I keep thinking, you know, in my situation, man, I got to keep those, keep those firsts. Um, so I think, I don't ever think I've, I've wanted like a specific single player. The only, the only thing I would say I try to do is I, I draft too many goalies 
because you you can't, as much as our league is weird, you really can't win with a bad goalie unless you're a backup in the finals. Apparently, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the common variable among the top teams, like every season, is that if you have a really really good goalie, you can steal a lot of wins. Man, the uh, the Barons mm-hmm. are a good example. Last year. I mean, if Saros had stayed healthy, the Barons would have made the playoffs and that roster should not have been close to making the playoffs. So I would say in terms of like one player, not really specifically one player, but everybody wants a goalie. They're at a premium all the time. And so I typically try and, you know, draft at least one goalie every year just to just to roll the dice and try and hit it big. And just a reminder to everybody out there that you everyone will be losing or they won't. Everyone won't be losing a goalie, but someone will be losing a goalie in two years at the. uh, at the uh, expansion. That's right, man. One it's of those gonna, two, it's, if you have two. It's coming. It's coming. Right? Yep. It's, uh, <laughs> it's on the horizon. Get ready. That's right. All right. Uh, so you just mentioned, you know, it's, it can be tough to make trades in here. Is there a GM that you found that it's just been easiest to make trades with? Or? Yeah, I think, I think Eric, definitely the Schooners and Matt Birch on the Mustangs. I don't think you can really trade with teams that are in the exact same position as you. Right. I know yeah. I know it's not always the case. I know the Grunge and the Steelhawks uh, and the Shamrocks are really, <laughs> really active. And they're, I think they're just a lot more creative than me in terms of, like, scouring other teams and trades and stuff like that. But, like... Well, it's also I think part of their the, quota. They have to make at least one trade <laughs> per day. <laughs> That's right. But I, I think with Eric and Matt, our teams have been sort of, you know, correlated in terms of, like, well, either I'm good and they're not so good or I'm bad and they're good. And I think if... I think if teams are at the opposite end of the spectrum, it's a lot easier to justify a trade. It's like, look, you're on the up. Yeah. You need to win now. And I don't need to win now. Let's make a deal. And I think it's just always been that way with, uh, with Eric and Matt, we've always kind of easily found like, you know, common ground, you know, mm-hmm. no, you're not too much friction. Um, so yeah, I think, I think those two have had a really time. It also helps. They're not in your conference. Right. I always feel like cross conference trades are pretty easy. Cause it's like, well, they're not in my division. You know, I, I don't have to play them all that much. So let, you know, it's easier to justify. Absolutely. You know, the thing that's a that's a great way to put it because I just I just thought of that and I'm like I don't know if I've even ever approached you with a with a trade. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, be, might, just because we're. I mean, um, what are we gonna do? Like change? Right. I mean, you, you had some <laughs> we're good, always in the same position, right? For sure. And you had some really good trade proposals. Like it's like, well, I've you know I've got my I've got my. I, you know, we were trying to maybe work out something like 10 and 21 for four. Like right, that's a right. good, change. At the draft, like, yeah. that's a really good offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, you're a much better team. So maybe we'll talk come deadline time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't, you know, if both teams are like in a playoff hunt, for example, right. it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me why they would, I mean, maybe they just both like a person or they have a positional need that the other person has an yeah. abundance with and vice versa. That kind of makes sense too. Right. Um, but but uh, in a rebuild. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. we both get it. Like, rebuild, like, really, I'm, there's no positional needs yeah, at that point, right? Really. So. Like, I'm, I'm terrible. You're terrible. Like, whatever we swap <laughs> first. Like, why? Okay, sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So, is there a GM that you have uh, never made a deal with, uh, even though you've given a, a a really big effort to, like, or or that negotiations were always really tough? Yeah, or I tiring. don't. I don't think so. I, I, I don't know if I've made a trade with the Metros yet. I don't know if I've, my memory's kind of hazy. I'm sure there are some GMs out there I've never made a trade with. Um, but I think it's more like circumstantial. I don't think necessarily anyone is like, you know, overly difficult or anything like that. I will say after the summit, man, that changes everything. When you, when you've met and hung out with someone face to face, I think it's a lot easier to humanize them. And so much of, you know, so much of, uh, you know, negotiation is, is face-to-face interaction, right? And it's hard to, 
you know, translate things like tone and inflection and body language over mm-hmm. email, right? Like someone might say something, you know, on a Twitter message, and the other person could take that as like, wow, that person just shut me down. Maybe they're not interested. But if you talk to them, you know, over a beer or whatever, like you can get a lot more done in terms of like uh, understanding where the other team's coming from, you know, why they made that offer um, and talk it out a lot better. So I, you know, as much like difficulty people may have trading over email. I, you know, you watch the summit on 2022, especially if there's like 13 of us drunk in a hotel room and we all, you know, we all switch seventh round players. Uh, that's, that's the most fun, but uh, no, not really. I don't, I've, I've always had pretty good experiences. I will say I don't, <laughs> I don't trust a lot of GMs when they offer me something. Cause it's like, uh, like, again, we have a lot of really smart people in the league <laughs> and if they're offering me this, like, why are they doing that? So why then I, you know, yeah, try the, you know, my own research there. So I would say in general, I'm, I'm less likely to trade than other GMs just because of the position I'm in. But also it's like, oh man, what do these guys know that I don't, I, I better look it up here. And, and one quarter of the entire league was actually taken out of that question when, uh, from one night at the summit with one trade. Right there. We could take out those seven guys, teams. <laughs> are you guys kidding me? Oh man, that was fun. <laughs> All right. Who's your biggest rival in the SICHL? It's Jeff Prozeller and the Havana Revolution. We've had now it's not a rivalry, you know, lately because I've been rebuilding. But, we, you know, when we were both at it, man, it was awesome. I love having Jeff as my rival. It was really nice of him to wear a ski as my wingman shirt at the 2017 <laughs> summit. That was really great. Uh, it's going to be a better rivalry in a couple of years when I'm actually good. And, you know, we're going at it again in the in the playoffs. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely. I love having Jeff as my rival and, and uh, trash talking him a little bit in the playoffs or not in the playoffs, but uh, the power rankings. But he knows it's all in good fun. So I love having a rival, man. It's always better when you can get a rival. If you don't have one, get one. <laughs> well, what a podcast this is, because the other half of this podcast tonight is uh, is with uh, Jeff and, and oh, uh, yes! where, we're, where we're talking about the free agency and him as the free agent bot. So. So that is so cool that we have oh, the man. rivals, the yeah, rival yeah. podcast. <laughs> maybe I'll, Len, maybe I'll add that like, into the title. <laughs> it's like you know what you're doing. What a great, oh, what great planning. Fantastic. All right. So when are we getting the Hamburglar third jerseys? And I, so I should. I, I have 204 coin. I got to spend them on something. <laughs> I, I really got, I'm looking at some third jerseys around the league. It looks so great. Uh, I really got to get on the train there. So the answer is uh, soon. I should really, really get on that. All right. Well, we may have something uh, to announce on the podcast too for uh, some spending on some coins. So uh, coming up. So uh, look forward to that too for, for you and for anybody else who's looking to spend some coin out there. Uh, Favorite part of the SICHL season. Everybody, everybody has their thing and, um, what's yours? Oh man. I, like I said, ever since, you know, you, you get what you put into it. And ever since I started, you know, doing the rankings and getting more involved in the league, like there's so many great, great parts. I think the summit is definitely by far, uh, the best we've only done it once. Uh, but the idea that we are going to do it every, you know, five years or whatever, and yeah. some really cool locations where we all hang out and draft together. That's, there's nothing better. Like there's absolutely nothing better. I, it's always a little weird with like internet friends. Cause you're not really sure how you're going to get along, <laughs> but man, it felt like as soon as everybody landed, it felt like we all got along and known each other for years. We kind of have, right. But it's, it's not the same. And I, you know, you come into the airport to pick us up and just everyone being so excited to be there, you know, Matt and Sean having a hell of a time getting there oh, yeah. and uh, just all different people from all different walks of life, man. And we got on like a house on fire. So the summit, yeah, by far number one, 
Uh, my second favorite part is uh, as soon as I'm done any power rankings, I can relax and that's good. Uh, and then number three, the draft. Like I, again, I haven't been as excited in previous years, but now I, I love it. I try and research and I'm listening to, to Guy's podcast and he does a great job. There's so much knowledge there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, man, it's stressful though. You know, I did so much prep this year and I got so many trade offers that I think it shook me a little bit, but, uh, yeah, definitely had a lot of fun there. And then, you know, the preseason power rankings getting together with, uh, you know, Matt or, or Mark or Eric or chasm or some combination of, uh, you know, anytime uh, we can do that is always a blast when we can get together. Fantastic. Wow. Henry. This has been so much fun, and uh, I know that I know that people are going to be so excited to to find out that you're on. Um, and I know, you know, what uh, one of the things that got me going with the podcast was the uh, the power rankings, but especially the preseason uh, power ranking special um, each year. And so, thank you for everything you do with the power rankings and and everything throughout the year. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Henry Ski of the Hamburg Gladiators. Thank you. Oh, th- dude, thank you. And again, you've done such a, an amazing job. You know, you hit the ground running as soon as you came into the league. Thank you for doing the the podcast. We all appreciate it. Likewise, man, it's just been so much fun. It just totally adds to the community, and uh, you do a really, really good job. So keep it up. Uh, and thanks again for having me. And thanks everybody for for listening. All right, and take care, and stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, okay. you too, man. Take thanks. care. Okay, bye bye. That'll wrap up another podcast. I'd like to thank once again my guests, Jeff Prozeller and Henry Ski. If you have any ideas for the podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please DM me on Twitter at SICHL Rockies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>